You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Bye. Okay, so tonight, Be'ezra Sashem, we're going to be continuing with our series of Shirim on hope. And tonight is going to be a Shir on Rabbi Nachman, and the title is going to be Hope at the Heart of Hopelessness. Now, on a certain level, the entirety of these series of Shirim, as we stressed in the beginning, we're ultimately leading up to a discussion about Rabbi Nachman and the concept of hope and Rabbi Nachman and the concept of hopelessness. That after giving shirim on Rabbi Nachman and giving shirim on the Sheva HaBatlarim, the seven beggars, and what it means to find joy in that place, in that pit dug into the mud, covered with twigs and branches and dirt, and to find the Simcha of Achasana there, and to find the happiness of unification, of the unity of opposites, of darkness and light. That was the impetus to begin the discussion about the concept of hope. How it is that we can live on the one hand in a world that is filled with chilul, that is filled with profanation, the halal, that void. Yet nevertheless, that void is infused and animated by the kav, like we said in the name of the Ramchal, kav melashan kivoy, that the ray of infinite light that re-enters into the void is the experience of hope, is the belief that in spite of the fact that things appear to be devoid of hope, nevertheless, there's still hope for a person of Kaveh Kavisi Al Hashem, or Lishuascha Kivisi Hashem, Kivinu Kol Hayom, that the thing that animates the darkness, the thing that gives us the ability to move forward in spite of the difficulties, is the element of hope. And not simply the hope for a future that is not yet present, but rather a hope that animates every present moment with the possibility of becoming the future. Like we saw last week in the name of Rav Yaakov Moshe Chalap, that on a certain level, hope towards the future is even greater than the future itself, because the future is infinite. But what hope allows us to do is to allow even the present moment to be split open and melt with the light of the future. And the potency of hope is that as we stand at the limit, at the brink prior to redemption, prior to the emergence of that which we've hoped for, there's a potency of experience that allows us to dig deeper into the darkness, to dig deeper into the kalim, into the vessels that appear as mundane and profane and to illuminate them and to show that even the vessels themselves are not only not in distinction to the light, but rather they carry within themselves some of the deepest properties of the light itself. Now with all of the tzaddikim that we've discussed, we said that we're still operating these constellations of different thinkers, of Rav Kook and Rav Yaakov Meshachalap and the Ramchal, 
and the Rebbe Rashab, that all of these different thinkers that we focused on, these tzaddikim, this constellation exists within the solar system of Rabbi Nachman. And tonight, what we're going to have is a culmination of sorts. But before we speak about what we're going to do tonight in terms of the culmination of this series of shirim with Rabbi Nachman, I also want to add that next week, Bezras Hashem, is going to be the end of the end. If this year on Rabbi Nachman and hope is the beginning of the end, then the shir that we're going to speak about next week is going to be the end of the end. And the individual that we're going to look at next week, which is something close to my heart but unique in the series of shirim that I've been offering since Rav Kook, is going to be another Jew, a secular Jew, a profane Jew, a Jew who lived in a world that was entirely devoid of light, that was so devoid of light that he forced himself to find circuitous routes for an impossible light. He was so aware of what it felt like without light that he decided to turn the darkness into light. And that's going to be Franz Kafka. Now, Rav Froman, Rav Menachem Froman writes in Hasidim Tzochakim that the Hasidim laugh from this, that on a certain level you can say that after a while Rabbi Nachman didn't want to write in his name anymore. Rabbi Nachman didn't want to write based on the teachings of Rabbi Nachman. He didn't even want to tell the stories that were beyond the teachings. He wanted to write anonymously. He wanted to write under a pseudonym. And the pseudonym that Rabbi Nachman uses is the name Franz Kafka. Now, obviously, it was said in jest, but there's a deep connection that certain authors have tried to force. There's a deep connection between the literary world of Franz Kafka, Lahavdil and the Torah of Rabbi Nachman. Both on a certain level can be seen as engaging with the same kalim, except one is profoundly dark and one is profoundly illuminated. And what we're going to try and show next week is that even beyond hope, even when we live in hopelessness, in abject hopelessness, when hope is no longer part of the sugya, that there's still what we're going to refer to as an impossible hope that survives hopelessness. And that's what we're going to see with Franz Kafka. That's going to be the profane illumination that represents the end of the end. The end of hope, which is in truth simply the beginning of that which we have hoped for. And ultimately, even when we receive that which we hope for, still gives birth to new hope because it's ad infinitum. But nevertheless, the after hope that we speak about is not chas v'shalom, a hopelessness, but it's the birth of something new. What we're going to be talking about tonight is Rabbi Nachman, what we're going to see is that for Rabbi Nachman, in contradistinction to all of the other tzaddikim that we've discussed, what we saw was the illumination of hope that is born out of the shadow of the possibility of hopelessness. We saw that from the Ramchal, we saw that from the Rebbe Rashab, we even saw that in Rav Kook and Rav Yaakov Moshe Chalap, and all of the different tzaddikim we've spoken about, that in order to understand hope, there's a necessity, there's a need there's a call, there's an urgency to take mind of the possibility of hopelessness. And that particularly in the shadow of those dark hues of hopelessness, a person throws themselves deeper into the possibility of hope. So that the contrast that exists between the possibility, the hava amina of hopelessness, is what allows the colors of hope to be more pronounced. 
each tzaddik according to their own way. But with Rabbi Nachman, as we spoke about in our series of Shiram and Rabbi Nachman, part of Rabbi Nachman's chiddush, part of the novelty of Rabbi Nachman, as Rabbi Nassim points out, is that Rabbi Nachman was not simply speaking for himself, nor was Rabbi Nachman speaking specifically for his Hasidim, nor was Rabbi Nachman speaking specifically for his time period, but rather Rabbi Nachman was speaking for us that one of the novelties of Rabbi Nassim in distinction to the other Hasidim and what allowed Rabbi Nassim to become this stamp of what Breslov would eventually become as Rabbi Nachman said that without my Nassanol, without my Rabbi Nassim, I would be nothing, is that Rabbi Nassim understood that yes, my Rabbi is a Chiddush now. That Chiddush kamono lahaya be'olam, that there's never been a novelty like him. But the real Chiddush is that what Rabbi Nachman is saying is Lodore Doros. That what Rabbi Nachman is saying is something for eternity. I remember, and I know I brought this story up in the past, that I came to my Rebbe of Weinberger once after reading something in Rav Yair Dreyfus's beautiful Sefer on the Maisa Meshiva Habat Larim from the story of the seven beggars. And what Rav Yair Dreyfus writes there very much as a student and the Kalim to the Tohu of Rav Shagar, his Rebbe, that if Rav Shagar was the chaotic lights that exceed the capacity of containment, Rav Yair Dreyfus and the base Medrash that he set up in Siach Yitzchak is on a certain level the kalim for that light, an orderly way of conveying these ideas. Rav Dreyfus Lita writes very strong Lashonos in that book, Chatunash Avudim, The Marriage of the Lost, about almost a resentment, if one could use such a term, against Rabbi Nachman. Because what Rabbi Nachman, according to Rav Dreyfus, does is he forces us to live on the edge. He forces us to live in that liminal space of urgency, where it's not simply a question of whether faith and happiness are reasonable or beneficial. That's not the language that Rabbi Nachman speaks in. Rabbi Nachman is speaking already at a point where it's no longer a question of beneficial or helpful, it's a question of life or death. It's a question of, can I survive the next moment or not? And Rav Dreyfus speaks very beautifully, and he also expresses this in the Sefer Negios Basvasalev, and all of his writings, really. But he has a taina on a certain level, a chutzpah de kedusha, as Rabbi Nachman would have demanded of any Talmud of his. And he says, you know, sometimes I struggle with Rabbi Nachman's demands for us to live at the limit, for us to live at that point where light turns into darkness or darkness turns into light. Why demand of us to live at that point of urgency, of exigency, where things feel so severe, where it's always a question of hope or hopelessness, sadness or, or happiness, never anything in between. And Rav Dreyfus has a lost show, and an I wouldn't say it. If it wasn't written, I wouldn't say it. But Rav Dreyfus says, you know, it could be that as I stand here a little bit older than what Rabbi Nachman lived out in his life, it could be that I've lived longer than Rabbi Nachman to see that it's not the only way to live. The person doesn't always have to live on the limit. That a person doesn't always have to live in that makom of urgency, of intensity. And I was moved and bothered at the same time by such a statement. And I remember bringing it to Rav Weinberger. 
And Weinberger said, yes, so, you know, I, I'm reading the book also now. I'm reading that Sefer also now. But he said, I'm, I'm not bothered by such a statement. I'm not mitpala by such a statement. He says, because if Rabbi Nachman really only lived 39 years, if Rabbi Nachman really only lived such a short lifetime, then what Rav Dreyfus was saying would be a taina. It would be a real taina. But he said, Rabbi Nachman saw me soifa oilam at soifa oilam. That Rabbi Nachman saw from the beginning of time to the end of time. Through his student Rabbi Nassim, through those who believed enough in him to understand that there was something nitzchi here of nitzachti va'anatzeach gamarti ve'egmor that I have done what I've come to do and I will also come to complete what I need to do in the future and ha'esh sheli tukarad v'yas ha'mashiach and my fire, the fire of Bresel will burn into the coming of Mashiach. And somebody who saw so far and so wide and so vastly and understood the message that needed to be heard in 2020 as well, you can't make the taina that he was younger than me. You can't make the taina that he didn't live long enough. So there's something that demands of us to enter into that severity that Rabbi Nachman wants us to look at. Now, Rabbi Nachman, unlike the other tzaddikim that we discussed, he didn't only speak of hope in the shadow of hopelessness or hope that is born out of the possibility or the hava amina of hopelessness. Rabbi Nachman, if one could say such a thing, entered into the chambers of hopelessness. He didn't just live in the shadows of it. He didn't just live in the possibility of hopelessness and from a safe distance announce the power of hope. Rabbi Nachman, almost as if saying to the other tzaddikim, yeah, you came up to here, but I'm going to go even weiter. It's not enough to talk about the possibility of hopelessness in order to illuminate the power of hope. Rabbi Nachman said we have to enter into the chamber of hopelessness. We have to gaze unflinchingly at hopelessness itself. It's not enough to talk about hopelessness. It's not enough to announce the spiritual possibility of hopelessness, thereby illuminating and accentuating and intensifying the power of hope. If we really, really, really want to understand the vitality of hope, the intense power of hope, we have to find it even within hopelessness itself. So while the other tzaddikim that we've discussed saw hopelessness from a distance and were able to announce that hope is victorious over hopelessness, Rabbi Nachman Lahabdil said, watch this. You want to see a trick? I'm going to enter into hopelessness itself. I'm going to enter into what Rabbi Nachman refers to as the mouth of the snake itself. And I'm going to reveal that even the opposite of hope, even the death of hope, even hopelessness, even Yeyush itself is not free from the powerful grasp of hope. That even within the recesses and those dark pockets of hopelessness that a person feels, doesn't just contemplate, but feels in their own heart, Zakhtar bin Nachman, there's hope there as well. Now, the teaching that we're going to be looking at Be'ezrus Hashem 
is going to be Torah Ayin Ches in the second volume of Lakutim Maran, the 78th teaching in the second volume of Lakutim Maran. Oy. And after a busy day and, and having very little time to prepare for this year, I thought to open Sichel Saran. And Baruch Hashem, I opened it. I looked in the Mafteach first and I realized that there were a few places where Binachman talks about Yeyush. And I found Matsati at Sha'avanafshi, I found Os Kufnun Gimel in Sichel Saran, which illuminates this teaching, illuminates the power of this teaching that Binachman discusses in Torah Ayin Ches and Tanyana in such a way that it's so matim to the end of this series on hope, that it's a matana, it's a gift. Towards the end of his life, towards the end of his short life, when Rabbi Nachman was suffering greatly, when he could no longer breathe, and as we've discussed in the beginning of the series of Shiram on Breslov, on the world of Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nachman's whole Indian was to learn how to breathe. Rabbi Nachman's whole Indian was to teach us how to inhale deeply and to feel the burden of the world and to feel the burden of our own individualized experiences and to feel the burden of history and to feel the burden of what it means to be a Jew, the beautiful burden of what it means to be a Jew, and to hold it and to allow the pressure to build up and to allow for that claustrophobia to grow, for that intensity and then to finally, at the limit, exhale, to allow ourselves to exhale deeply and to feel the relief that is born specifically out of the knowledge of what it's like not to breathe. Somebody who takes a breath in and out, in and out, ruts of a shove, they never feel the feeling of suffocation, they never feel the feeling of claustrophobia, they never feel the feeling of what it means to not breathe, on a spiritual level. Rabbi Nachman demanded of us to feel what it's like to not breathe, to hold the breath a little bit, to sigh. But when you exhale afterwards, when you allow yourself to finally breathe out after holding it a little bit and hurting yourself a little bit internally and feeling what it's like to live in a world of emes, of emes la amiso, the relief that comes afterwards, that breath that comes afterwards, is sevenfold the pleasure of the breath that came without any holding of the breath. And as Rabbi Nachman writes so powerfully, Rabbi Nassan writes in the eighth teaching in Chaim Aharan, Kishatisumikan, he told his Chassidim, when you leave me, ma'pa'altem. And the Chavar asks you, what did you do? Why did you throw so much away to come to this strange Sadik? Why did he put yourself in such danger to be makusher to such a chasidus, to the toiter chasidim, to the chasidim who are dead? What did you do there? Rabbi Nachman said, ruach. Say it was breath. You learned how to breathe. And at the end of Rabbi Nachman's life, as he was dying of tuberculosis, at the age of 39, he was struggling to breathe. He was struggling to find that light that illuminated his entire existence struggling to find the light. According to my understanding of what Rabbi Nachman was doing. And Rabbi Nachman decided at the end of his life that he didn't want to stay in Breslov anymore. He didn't want to be in that beautiful place of blue skies and 
light green trees and rolling hills and those red roofed huts that appear so beautiful in the pictures that we see of Breslov. He wanted to go to another place. He wanted to go to the place of Uman. Now Uman was a very different place than Breslov. Uman was a dark place. Uman was a place where thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews who in their revealed lives were misnagged to the Torah, were not interested in the light that the Torah had to offer. Not only were they not interested, but they pushed back against it. And Rahman al-Litzlan, as the story of history goes, they sacrificed their lives for the sake of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Neherag al-Kiddush Hashem bayar oivim yimachshimam v'zichram. May their names be erased. And the cemetery there that was filled with the kvaros of these Neheragim al-Kiddush Hashem, these almost anti-Torah Jews, these anti-Tzadik Jews, these anti-Light Jews in their revealed lives, were buried in the town of Uman. And Ibn Ahmed decided that that's where he wanted to be buried. That's where he wanted to spend eternity because he continued to have a job to do to fix even that place, even that place of darkness and death. Or as Ibn Ahmed explains in one of the teachings that was given over towards the end of his life, that there's a certain koyach in the tzaddik, in particular tzaddikim, who are not only not afraid of the snake, not only not afraid of the nachash, but they enter into the mouth of the nachash, they enter into the mouth of the serpent, into the mouth of darkness, into the mouth of negativity, into the mouth of hopelessness. And when entering into the mouth of hopelessness, entering into the mouth of the snake, they force the snake to vomit up that which it devoured in its lifetime. On a mission of a spy, almost a kamikaze-like experience, the tzaddik descends even into that place of darkness, into that place of concealment, into that place of hopelessness, to force hopelessness and darkness itself to reveal that at the end of the day, it is simply a shliach of a kaddish baruch that there is no darkness, no hopelessness so lost that it can no longer offer the praise of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Rabbi Nachman wanted to be buried in that place. Oy. And this Torah was told, this Torah of Ayin Ches, this 78th Torah, was told on Shabbos Nachamu Be'uman Samech Lehistakluso. It was told on Shabbos Nachamu, again from the Lashon of Nachman, where Nachman is from the Lashon of Nachamu, like we spoke about in the first shir on the series of shir Manabi Nachman, that Nachamu means to be able to change one's mind. Nachamu means to be able to look at things differently with a different perspective. Like the Pasuk says by Parshas Noyach, Ve'yenachem Hashem, that Hashem Kavyachol changed his mind. And that what settling the mind means and what comforting the mind means to be able to change my perspective of things. On Shabbos Nachamu Be'uman, right before his life, Rabbi Nachman entered into the house where he would eventually die. And the Hasidim tell us that that house was the house of the Reish HaResha'im of Uman, the wickedest of Uman. Who's out of town and his children welcomed Rabbi Nachman in. But nevertheless, it's not by chance that Rabbi Nachman's last days in this world were spent 
literally in the belly of the beast. It's not by chance that Chazal tell us that the middle of the Torah, the center of the Torah, the middle letter of the Torah is the enlarged Vav of Gichon, as the Vilna Gon points out so often. Koil ha'hoylech al Gichon. Anything that moves around on its belly. And that enlarged Vav of Gichon, quite literally at the belly of the snake itself, at the belly of the beast, is the center of the Torah. As the Vilnagon points out, as Rav Yitzhak Isaac Chavir points out, as Rav Menachem Mendel Shkov points out, as the Lashem Shavavachalayim points out, as Rav Yitzchak Kahana points out, all of the Bate Madrashim and the Chatzidim and the Tzadikim of the base Medrash of the Vilnagon, they point out that the center of the Torah is the belly of the snake. That what it means to understand holiness in the deepest way possible means to descend deeply down into that pocket of holiness to reveal that the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is found there also. And that's where Rabbi Nachman wanted to die. That's where Rabbi Nachman wanted to expire and to give his neshama back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Rabbi Nachman at that point was so sick, he was so ill that he said to his chassidim, he says, why are you here? What did you come here for? Almost as if to say, I have nothing left to give you. I understand when you come for my Torah. I understand when you come for my teachings, but what are you here for now? And then Rabbi Nelson goes into a description. Rabbi Nachman announces, I know absolutely nothing anymore. I know nothing. I have no answers anymore. I've come to a place of recognizing that I know absolutely nothing. Now, as Rabbi Nassim is going to tell us afterwards that the nothing of Rabbi Nachman is the highest of levels. The knowing nothing that Rabbi Nachman teaches us is the apex of the system. As my tzaddik, as my Rebbe, Ravichemeyer Morgenstern points out, that knowing nothing or that nothing that Rabbi Nachman came to understand at the end of his life is the darga of Reshad Loisida, is the darga of the unknowable point where the human mind is no longer able to capture anything but the deep need for radical faith, for the leap of radical faith. Rabbi Nachman, in praising the Baal Yisoyed Hasharish Vaha says that there was once a tzaddik in Lita. There was once a Lithuanian tzaddik who at the end of his life, as he was on his deathbed, he looked around at his students and he said, Dilagti, I skipped, I leaped. Almost as if to say that I didn't get mired down by the muck of this world. I was able to leap over it. I was able to jump over it. I was able to dance over it. And Rabbi Nachman said it was a Gvaldik Shevach that this tzaddik pointed out. And as it came to Rabbi Nachman's death, he was able to say, I know nothing anymore. All I know is how to be simple. All I know is how to find deep faith. All I know is how to find hope at the heart of hopelessness. And the teaching that Rabbi Nachman gave over at that point is as follows. Now we're not going to get into the whole teaching. It's a long teaching. But it's the 78th teaching in the Kutimaran. And here we're going to find a stira in the language of Rabbi Nachman. 
First he's going to say the haklal. And the main thing is ki asur liyayish atzmo. It's asur, it's forbidden to lose hope. It's forbidden for a person to give up hope. Ki afilu mishu ish pashut ve'eno yachol lidmold klal. Because even a person who has no ostensible connection to holiness or kedusha, or they find themselves in a place or at a point in their lives where they can no longer daven, they can no longer learn, they can no longer reach out to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Afal nevertheless. Nevertheless, which we spoke about in the second shir that we gave on Rabbi Nachman, nevertheless, that powerful afal pikein, that counterintuitive statement that says you thought that you can't find Hashem when you can't learn or when you can't think about Hashem, it's specifically there that you can find Hashem. Afal pikein, even in the times of simplicity, a person needs to strengthen themselves with the fear of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the simple belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Kigam az chayus Because even at that point, the person is receiving vitality and life from the Torah itself. Even somebody who is at the lowest possible level. When Rabbi Nachman says the lowest possible level, he means the lowest possible level. Rabbi Nachman, unlike other tzaddikim, taught us how to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu at the bottom. He didn't speak from above to below. He spoke from below to above. He taught us in 2020, those of us who are stuck, caked into the bottom of the barrel, with nothing but hopelessness, with nothing but brokenness, with nothing but tzabrachenkeit, Rabbi Nachman taught us how to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even in hopelessness itself. Entirely, the lowest possible level. What the Balatanya refers to in Paraklamid Vav of Tanya as a darkness that has doubled over itself. Or like Rabbi Nachman refers to as the Hastara Shabbatoycha Hastara. Or what the Leshem Shabbat Bachaloyma refers to as the most individualized element of godliness that one can possibly individualize. Or as Rav Shalom Sharabi, the Rashash Klusiyaganalenu points out, this world that is within the belly of the snake itself, this world that is in the belly of the snake itself, even a person who finds themselves there, Chas V'Shalom, Rachman Al-Atzlan, even if a person is stuck in hell. As Rabbi Nachman tells us at the end of Lukutim Aran, that he believes very much in Olam Haba. What he doesn't believe in is Olam Haza, because when he looks around, all he sees is Gehenim. All he sees is hell. All he sees is He'edar and negation. Even there, even B'Sha'ol Tachtis, Rahman Litzlan, Hashem should save us from such a place. A person cannot lose hope. And a person should accomplish the statement, the Lashon of the Pasuk, 
mibeten sheol sha'avasi, from the belly of the sheol, from the belly of those existential questions that confront me and confound me and make me doubt everything, that make us hopeless, that the goal is to cry out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu from there, daika, specifically from there. It's not that a person can even call out to a Kaddish Baruch Hu in hopelessness or in the Sha'ol, but it's specifically the purpose of coming to the Sha'ol, the purpose of finding ourselves stuck in those pockets of hopelessness in our lives, in those moments of waiting to die, as Rabbi Nachman was teaching in this Torah. The purpose is to show us that even there, faith abides, even there, hope survives. It's not some bidyeved realization of hope. It's a lechatchila affirmation of the truest nature of hope. The hope that is affirmed specifically in a place of hopelessness. Not simply the awareness of hopelessness, but the birth of hopelessness itself in the town of Uman, in the cemetery of Uman, in a place of suffocation, in a place of destruction, in a place of darkness, in the belly of the Nachash itself. That a person needs to be mekayim mibeten sha'ol sha'avasi. That I have cried out to you, Akadush Baruch Hu, from the belly of sha'ol. And a person needs to strengthen themselves and gird themselves and animate themselves and revitalize themselves according to their strength. Because even a person who lives at that point is capable of strengthening themselves and receiving from the residual lights of the Torah, from the tzaddik. Vahikar, and the main thing, that a person needs to strengthen themselves as much as they can. Because there is no such thing as losing hope whatsoever. And Rabbeinu, Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nachman ben Fega elongated those words. He stretched out those words and he says, Losing hope doesn't exist. And he said them with an intense strength. And a deep power. And it was terrifying. In order to hint and to explain to each and every person from generation to generation, to remind all of us in 2020. That a person can never lose hope. Afilu ma, even if they experience what they experience. The eichshehu, and however the person is, afilu even if a person falls to the place where they have fallen, once they strengthen themselves based on who they are at that moment, they still have the hope of returning back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu.
when Rabbi Nossin records the words of Rabbi Nachman, of nafal lamakom shenafal, that they have fallen to the place that they have fallen to, this nondescript failure, this unidentified falling into the depths, it's not simply that Rabbi Nassim was leaving us wondering what a person has done, but it was Rabbi Nassim allowing it to remain unidentified in its subjective form so that each and every one of us, no matter where we are, no matter where we find ourselves, can say that these words apply to me as well. This anonymous point, wherever it may be, wherever a person finds themselves, that is where they have the ability to reignite their impossible hope. Now, as powerful as these teachings are, as powerful as this statement is, there's a stira, there's a contradiction, something that we've discussed in the past. The Torah begins with Rabbi Nachman saying, It's forbidden for a person to lose hope. It's forbidden for a person to give up hope. Forbidden. The interdiction, the isr against losing hope seems to imply that it's possible to lose hope, that losing hope is a thing. Losing hope is something real. It's simply forbidden implying that loss of hope is a possibility. But then as we go on into the Torah, as Rabbi Nachman strengthens himself, as Rabbi Nachman emboldens himself, realizing as Rabbi Nassim writes explicitly that he was no longer simply speaking to his Hasidim, but he was speaking to us in 2020, when Rabbeinu Sha'ag Bekol Gadol, when Rabbeinu yells out with all of his strength, the strength of like Rav Weinberger pointed out. He doesn't say, he doesn't say it's forbidden to give up hope. He says, that loss of hope doesn't exist. It's a stira. On the one hand, loss of hope exists, but it's forbidden. On the other hand, loss of hope doesn't even exist. And ultimately, I think this stira is the deepest truth the deepest Torah of what Rabbi Nachman is coming to teach us. Like all of our other tzaddikim, we never want to lose hope. We never want to enter into a place where we feel that that there's nothing I could do anymore. I'm tired. There's too much going on. There's too much overwhelmingness. The anxiety is too strong. The sadness is too strong. I'm too tzabrachim. Nobody ever wants to enter into that space. And therefore, it's usser. It's usser to lose hope. But what happens when a person loses hope? What happens when you become an neshama of Uman? What happens when you're buried in the Besachayim of Uman? In that belly of the beast, in the belly of the snake? In that place of nafal, makoim shenafal? What happens then? L'chayra, the other tzaddikim would say, ah, oh, you know, we haven't gone there. We only spoke about loss of hope. We only spoke about it. We, we didn't look too deeply into it. We just allowed it to animate the power of hope. Comes along Rabbi Nachman and he says, even there, even when you fall there, even when there's no hope left, dig a little bit deeper and realize that there's no such thing as losing hope. 
It's not up to you. Hope is the very basis of which existence is rooted. Without hope, there's nothing. Everything is perpetually elevating. Whether you're aware of it or not, hope is a choice that a person makes. Hope is an affirmation that a person allows themselves to affirm that wherever I am, here I am, right now I can serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Right now I can say, Right now I can say, Creator of the world, Master of the universe. And at that point, into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. That when I fall into Asur Lehit Yaish, when I fall into that prohibition of losing hope, which tells me that losing hope is a possibility, what I come to find is Ein Shum that in truth there's no such thing as losing hope. And that no matter where we have fallen, and no matter where we have gone, and no matter how lost we are, no matter what a person has done, no matter where a person finds themselves, up, down, middle, left, right, anywhere in the world, a person can always gird themselves and announce, Ein Shum Rabbeinu Sha'ag Bekol Rabbeinu cried out and roared out like a lion with a deep voice that penetrates into the generations to the coming of Mashiach. There's no such thing as losing hope. Rabbi Nassim, after telling the story over about the giving over of this teaching, he handed Rabbi Nachman the writings. Rabbi Nassim recorded the teachings and the writings flew out of Rabbi Nachman's weak hands and they fell on the ground in front of him. And Rabbi Nassim picked up the teachings that he had written and he handed them back to his Rebbe. Again, highlighting that things can fall and be picked up once again. And what Rabbi Nachman said is, did I say this? You heard me? I thought this to myself. I didn't say this out loud. I thought this. And that's how Rabbi Nassim ends the teaching. That's how Rabbi Nassim ends the teaching in Sichos Aran, Kufnun Gimel. At the end of Rabbi Nachman's life, as he found himself in that belly of the snake, Rabbi Nachman offers us a gift, not his teaching. Rabbi Nachman taught. And then when Rabbi Nachman stopped teaching, he told stories. But this teaching, Koydem Histalkuso and Shabbos Nachamu, the Nechama that Rabbi Nachman is offering us, the Dore Doros, the Tzaddik is offering us his innermost thought of Ein Shum Yeyush Ba'ilam Klau that the loss of hope doesn't exist, even in the depth of hopelessness. When a person digs deep enough into the darkness, they come to find that the only possible way forward is light. And Be'ezrus Hashem, we should be zaychet to continue living in the orbit of Rabbi Nachman. And talking about his secular voice, as Rafroman points out, Franz Kafka, before we move forward into the Shirim of Shabbos, where hopelessness is not even part of the discussion anymore. Shabbos is a world of or. Shabbos is a world of only light. There's no darkness on Shabbos. There's no even possibility of hopelessness on Shabbos. Hopelessness is not a thing. And Be'ezrus Hashem, we should continue to be hopeful, to believe and to hope for the coming of Mashiach. Amen. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. 
The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page, and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. 